0: And today we're going to look at a group of people who were devoted and dedicated. They were Jesus followers and their devotion and dedication, because they had been transformed by Jesus, they then transformed their community and ultimately the world. And their life and the way they lived inspires me to action. So let's pick up the story. Quick recap, we've kind of been talking about this in various formats for the last four, five, six, seven weeks, but Jesus was arrested, he was crucified, and he was buried. His disciples, when he was arrested, they were cowardly, they were afraid, they ran off, they went and hid. And Jesus, three days later, resurrected from the dead. He went and visited his disciples, these cowards, and he affirmed them, and he confirmed them, and he loved them, spent about 40 days with them. And at the end of his time with them, Jesus is about ready to, get to, to go back to heaven, and he gave them these marching orders. Jesus said to them in John 20, he said, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them the Holy Spirit, which was him giving the authority and the power of Jesus into their lives. And so they had the Holy Spirit. And in Matthew chapter 28, it's described another way, this I'm sending you. Jesus said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples and I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them everything that I've commanded. In other words, Jesus was telling his followers, I want you to go and I want to use you to transform the world. And Pastor Tim did a phenomenal job talking about this last week. If you were not here last week, you're going to want to go on and listen or watch the message. And I'm not kidding when I say this. The, it was the best message that's ever been preached at LifePoint. You don't have to say an amen out loud. You can think it, but, but it's true. It's a, it was phenomenal. And, and it will stick with me the rest of my life as I imagine it will with you. And he gave the illustration. And he talked about yacht clubs and rescue missions and rescue stations and you have these rescue stations that turned into yacht clubs eventually. And because originally, it was a, they were rescue stations, they were groups of people who were committed to the cause of saving somebody's life. But over time, these rescue stations turned into yacht clubs. And instead of going, they, get, they were all about gathering. There was no, they lost sight of their mission. And remember he said, it's time to get up out of the chair. And, and get back to our roots and be a rescue station to go to save people. To, and that's what Jesus is telling his disciples. You go, you be on mission. I'm using you to rescue people, to save people. And so that's what they did. Jesus gave the marching orders and his followers went about saving people, letting God use them to save people. Then Peter gives the first sermon. So now we're going to kick it all off. Peter gives the first sermon in front of thousands and thousands. And in Acts chapter 2, if you're not there, can you turn there now? Because that's where we're going to be this morning. Look at one of like the most famous verses in the Bible. It's one of those worthy of being in your top 10 verses. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42. And it says this. it It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the what? Let's say this word, they were added to the church. church. That's important, we're gonna come back to that. About how many were baptized and saved and added to the church? About how many, about? About 3,000. I mean, it took a long time to baptize 3,000 people. All of a sudden, these transformed disciples are now, a bunch of them who are cowards, are now transforming their community. I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? If all of a sudden you went from 100 to 3,100 in one, one message, is that a little bit of a transformation that's starting to happen? You better believe it. And what we need to understand is notice what they were added to. Look at verse 41 again. Peter said they were baptized and they were added to the what? To the? To the? church. The church is the hope of the world. You and I need to understand that the church is the hope of the world. It's God's chosen plan, instrument, strategy to reach people who are far from God. And the church isn't a building. The church is his people. We are God's chosen plan to reach people for Christ. That's why he told us, I'm sending you. That's why he told us, I want you to go and I want you to make, uh, I want you to make disciples so the question is, what does a transformed disciple look like? Or how did they live? What does it look like? Notice verse 42, Acts chapter 2. It's one of the most famous verses. They, the new, 3,000 newly baptized, joined with the other de- believers and devoted themselves to. Or I love how the, NSA, the New American Standard says that they were continually devoting themselves to. These first five words of Acts 2.42 really serve as the foundation for the entire future of the church. They were continually devoting themselves. And if you and I are going to live out God's plan and God's purposes for our life, if we're going to experience abundant life the way Jesus intends, then we too will continually devote ourselves. I want to look at one specific word in this little phrase and that's a, a Greek word I want to teach to you. And I'm going to put it up on the screen right now. And it's the Greek word, and I even try to, to kind of put it out how it sounds. It's proskotereo, proskotereo. I've said that two, three hundred times this week. I preached it this morning, and every time the first time I say it again out loud, I mumble it. Proskotereo, proskotereo. In fact, what I want you to do is look at someone next to you, even if it's across the aisle, and I want you to let it come out of your mouth right now, see if you do better than I did. Proscatareo, so do that now, try it. Keep trying. Even if no one's near you, shout it down the aisle. Okay? All right, let's see how we do together as a group. Okay? Proscatareo, we're gonna say it together, out loud, together. Okay, let's see how it sounds. One, two, three. Gosh, that's awesome. Way better than I've done. And I've done it hundreds of times this week. Way to go, you linguists. So, Prescottereo. Now, that word, that's the title of the sermon, by the way. I don't talk about titles usually, but that's the title of the sermon. Prescottereo. Here's what it means. It means constantly diligent. It means steadfastly attentive to. It means to attend continually. Hence the word that you usually see in the Bible, devoted or continually devoted. They were Prescott to And we see their devotion and their dedication, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. You actually see this devotion and dedication, proscatoreo, throughout scriptures. Let me because then it's going to give you more power of Acts two forty two and how powerful it is. What these disciples were. Listen to Ruth chapter one. Uh, some of you, if you've read the Old Testament, you might just know the story of Ruth and Naomi. And Ruth's husband dies, and, and and Naomi's like, okay, we weren't the same group of people, so why don't you go home and I'll go my way and we'll part ways. Okay, listen to this verse. Some of you might know this verse, even if you've never been to church, because you've heard those words, and you're like, oh, I never knew that came from the Bible. It's in the Bible. Listen to this. Matt, Luke, Ruth, chapter one, Ruth replied to Naomi, who said, hey, go your own way. And Ruth's like, uh-uh. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you from me. Let me ask you a question. Would you say Ruth is dedicated and devoted to Naomi? And in fact, look at how it's described in the next verse, verse 18. When Naomi realized that Ruth was proskotereo, Ruth was, and what does the word say there? When Ruth was, let's say it together, when Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her to take a hike. Ruth was not leaving. The idea is that Ruth was so fully devoted to Naomi, there was nothing, nothing was going to change her mind. That's the thought in Acts chapter 2 as well. These Jesus followers we were completely devoted to being impact players for Jesus, to, to being world changers for Jesus, to, to, to carry out the mission of Jesus. And nothing would change their mind about that. Nothing would dissuade them from that. The idea is further developed in Luke chapter nine. We read about Jesus' determination to head to Jerusalem where he's going to die. And Luke chapter nine says this, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus, Prescatoreo, set out for Jerusalem. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. The King James, I love the imagery here of this. I don't quite quote the King James very often, but it's a great picture. It says that Jesus steadfastly set his face to Jerusalem. In other words, nothing, nothing, nothing was going to stop Jesus from his mission of going to die on a cross for you and I. So let's put it all together. When Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says that these first believers devoted themselves, you know what it meant? It simply meant that that they were intently, steadfastly, and resolutely determined like Ruth was with Naomi, like Jesus was with getting to Jerusalem to die on a cross. In other words, it's letting us know, these early believers, there's no such thing as casual Christianity. There was no such thing as being just a fan of Jesus. There was no such thing in which they would just p- kind of follow Jesus. No, they were sold out to Jesus. They were sold out to carrying out his mission. They were drop dead serious about their f- faith. They were deeply committed, fired up for Jesus, Proscatoreo. Now, what is it that they were proskotereo to? What were they sold out to, fired up towards? What were they devoted to? Well, the Bible tells us. It says they were, Prescottereo, verse 42, Acts 2, verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves, Prescottereo, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. These transformed individuals who were once cowards who are now standing for Jesus who will go transform the world. And 3,000 were added on the very first day. They were devoting themselves, Prescott de Rio, to let's look to, let's look at these, we'll run through them real quick this morning. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching or to the transforming power of the word of God. Now think about this for a second. All of a sudden, you have how many people who were added to about the 100 original? How many people were added? We looked at the verse, how many? Three thousand. About 3,000. They didn't know the particulars of Jesus's life. They didn't know his character and his work and and, and what he was all about and all of his teaching. And so they were, for Scott they were deeply committed to growing in God, to growing in Jesus. They weren't interested in new rules and regulations, but they wanted to get to know the heart of God, to get to know the heart of Jesus, to know what it is that God had for them. And Jesus made it clear what that was. He had told his apostles and that's why they began to teach. He told his apostles, "Hey, I have I have one command for you guys. It's very simple. Luke chapter or John chapter 13, Jesus said, "A new command I give you. Love one another." How do you love one another?" He said, "He says, "As I have loved you, so you must love one another." In other words, Jesus is saying, remember, uh, apostles, I got down on my knee, and I put a towel on my arm, and I washed your nasty feet, and I proved that. I want you to go do likewise. And how did I love you? How did I get down? That's an image there, a picture, a metaphor, an illustration of my love for you. What did I do? I died on a cross. I gave up my life for you. And so Jesus was saying, that's the command. You love that way, and now you go live that out. And so that's what these apostles were teaching. They were teaching the life and the character and all the teachings of Jesus through the lenses of this command to go love people just like Jesus loved. And in fact, they began to, to share with, as, as the church eventually grew and, and, and Paul and others would travel around the known world and they'd go into Philippi and Colossae and Thessalonica and, and Corinth, he'd go into all these cities. And, and then eventually later on, they'd actually write letters back to those people and they'd tell them in these letters, here's how you practically live out, loving one another as Jesus loved. In fact, I would just encourage you practically speaking, this idea of being committed to the apostles' teaching, committed to the word of God, I'd encourage you to reread the New Testament through the lenses of Jesus' one command, love as I have loved. Because everything the apostles wrote and the other writers who wrote, it's essentially commentary on Jesus' command. If you view it all through that lens, it will actually change your perspective on the New Testament. It might help us eliminate some of the crazy doctrines that have been created over the last, you know, 1000 2000 years. It was commentary and the kid and and the and the people were devoted to the apostles teachings, to learning how to live like Jesus wanted them to live, to sacrifice themselves for the sake of others. Practically speaking, just take advantage of technology, use your phones, get the YouVersion Bible app if you don't have it. It's incredible. You can read, you can follow along. There's there's reading plans in there. It'll even read to you if you just want to listen. Such a great tool to add. The point is we have the apostles teaching, we have the word of God so readily available to us today. And those early believers were transformed because they were dedicated, they were devoted, they were Prescottereo to that teaching. And that's what God's calling us to today. Next, those transformed believers transformed their community because they were devoted to the breaking of bread, or as some translation says, to the Lord's Supper, or communion. You might be used to that term. Now, some commentators will say it includes communion, but it also includes literally just breaking bread together and having dinner, and that's no problem. We're going to focus on the communion part. I don't know if you've ever really thought about it. Are you totally, completely, proscatoreo, devoted to communion or the Lord's Supper? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, it's part of the service, but are you devoted to it? Why were they so devoted to that? Why would that even come up? Why was that a topic of conversation? Well, think about it. Think about why they were devoted and dedicated to the Lord's Supper. Jesus asked them to do it, to remember him. And they would devote themselves to that. And so it was something they did constantly. And they devoted themselves. Why? Because they understood what communion or the Lord's Supper was. They understood that it was the essence of their faith. It was a, it was a collection, if you will, of the grace and the goodness and the glory and the love of God all in one moment. That Jesus would choose to die in our place for our sins so that we don't have to be punished for our sins. That we could spend eternity with him, and with, with our heavenly father. And so they said, you know something? I don't want to ever lose sight of that. I don't want to think about it you know, once a month or once a quarter or once a year. I want to think about that regularly. In fact, it's the very reason we offer communion to the Lord's Supper here every single week at LifePoint. Because for me, at least, I know that I want it to be the very center of what the service is about for me with the body of believers. That I want to remember more than anything else how much Jesus loved me. And because he was willing to die for me and sacrifice his life for me and give his life to me, then I'm ready to listen to the pastor about how to live for him, how to live for Jesus. And those early believers, they were devoted to that. That was front and center for them. What about you? I would encourage you to re-look and re-examine your hearts when that time comes and the, and the plate is passed. And when that's passed and the cups are passed and the bread is passed, and you don't have to take it every week, that's up to you, but I know those early disciples, man, it was the very center of their, their service I even talked to a person recently who uh, used to go to our church and they moved away and they're having a hard time finding a church because they can't find a church in their community where, where, where communion is, happens every week. And for them, they're like, man, I need that in my church service with other believers. One more note about communion. In that verse, Jesus, they, it talks about there. Actually, I didn't read it to you, sorry. Um, in 1 Corinthians t- chapter 10, it talks about this idea that there's one loaf and there's one body. And we participate in that. In other words, there's this mystical, magical, and I don't use that word too literally, but there's this something that happens that unites all of us together as the body of Christ. So here's what I want to encourage you to do practically the next time you participate in communion and the Lord's Supper. First of all, you remember these first disciples, Prescottereo, man, they, they were like, the love of Jesus, the grace, the forgiveness of Jesus was so powerful, and I'm going to remember that because now I want to go live that way. You're going to remember that. But secondly, can I encourage you to do this. The next time you participate, maybe not the next time, but sometime, instead of bowing your head, closing your eyes, and kind of you and Jesus focus, and you're grateful for all, and that's wonderful, can I encourage you to lift up your head and look around. And what do I mean by that? Well, Paul said, we're one body. Jesus died for all of us. Can I encourage you to look around? And as you look around, you see someone who teaches your kid or your niece or your nephew or a grandchild, and you're like, praise God for them. And you thank God for them. You see someone who greeted you at the door and you praise God for them. You see someone sitting there who maybe is on the stage who helps usher you in to this special time with you and God through worship, through song, and you look around and you see other people go, I don't know that person. And man, you know what? We're a part of the same body. We're, all, we're both Jesus followers. Man, after the service, I want to go get connected to that person. I want to go say hi to that person. You look around and you see and you take in the body of Christ that Jesus died for all of us. And in that moment, you worship God and you praise God. Listen, that's what that early church did. They were dedicated. They were devoted to communion not something that really gets talked about in the modern church much. But I would encourage you next week, Prescatoreo, be continually devoted to participating in this special moment that Jesus has for us, remembering his love and then living that out because we're all in this together as his body united. There was a third part here. Uh, We're going to glance over because we're going to talk about it next week, but it says they were devoted themselves to prayer. And again, we're going to dive into prayer much more next week. You just need to be reminded and remember, because I know you probably, some of you know this, it really is the cornerstone to your faith and the church is prayer, talking to God, seeking Him and His strength and His power. Again, we're going to talk about that next week, but let me finish off with the last one. Those transformed believers transformed their community because they were devoted, they were devoted to fellowship or sharing life together. Now, that's a very interesting one, fellowship. Some of you, maybe you've been around church for a long time. It won't be the case for all of you, but some of you have been around churches for a long time, maybe decades, and if that's the case, see, when I say the word fellowship, it, uh, different images come to mind for us, right? For some of us, when you think of, hey, well, what's fellowship? You're like, okay, wait, I've been around churches for a long time. And I remember one of my old churches, I remember between services, we'd walk out of church and we'd walk to a different room. And I want, If you know what this is, let's say it out loud together. You'd walk out of church, you'd walk in a different room, and what was that different room called? It was called the the fellowship hall. Right, some of you're like and some of you're like fellowship hall. What's a fellowship hall? And the person next to you will say, "Well, it's where we, you know, had coffee and had donuts." That's what a fellowship hall is, right? This word fellowship, it's not a hall. It's not a room. It's not just hanging out together having coffee and donuts. In fact, the word fellowship is a very it's a Greek word koinonia and it's there's no English translation. And so we struggle with, with defining fellowship in the English. And, be, and I, I would, my guess is that's why we've struggled with it as a church for you know hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of years, because we haven't understood the power of this. Let me just try to describe it to you. No single description I'm giving encompasses the whole thing, but it gives you images or pictures or glimpses of it. Uh, and take it collectively. Fellowship means an intimate sharing of one's life with another believer. But it also means participation, but not just participation. It means partnership, but not just partnership. It means having something in common with other believers, but not just that. For me, the easiest way I can define it, but this may not work for you. But for me, it's this this deep interconnection with one another individually and with one another on on the church in a larger group. The deep interconnection and if you look further into Acts, you see how that deep interconnection played out. I mean, how did it play out? They met together constantly in each other's homes. They were always they were spending time together. They were eating together. Acts 4 says when people had needs in the church, that, that people would pool their resources together, give it to the uh, apostles, and, and, and trust them to, to distribute that to people as they had need. And so there's this sharing of life, this deep interconnection together. There and one of the challenges with fellowship today is, we struggle with this. Because this means I have to be known. This means I have to share my life with people. I mean, I think of words like friend, real genuine friendships. And let's face it, it's hard to have genuine, deep friendships and connections with people today. In fact, we live in a society today, wouldn't you agree with me? Uh, because of social media, if you've paid attention to the news the last couple of years, that our society is actually getting more lonely and more isolated? Have Raise your hand if you've now paid attention enough to, to the news to know that they now have enough studies to know that social media it's causing us to actually be more isolated and more lonely than ever before. If you know that actually to be true, okay, so a bunch of you do. Maybe some of you haven't heard that yet. They're figuring that out. They're discovering that now. If you have kids, you know it, um, right? And, and, and even in your own life. And so they're figuring that out. Heck, the people who created all this stuff, they don't even let their own kids use it, right? I mean, that ought to tell us something. So, and, and it's here to stay. I know it's not going anywhere, and we got to figure out how to have balance with it and put it in its proper place and I don't have time this morning to give you all these stats. And stuff. I had a whole bunch, a whole page of, you know, studies and all this and that. But here's what you need to know. We live in an isolated society that's getting more and more isolated, more and more lonely. And the church has the people's answer to isolation and loneliness. We actually do. And so we live in a great time with all this social media. It's an incredible opportunity for us as a church, for the church, because we know that the answer to their loneliness is found in Jesus Christ. Ultimately, we we know that. But through relationship, through genuine fellowship with one another. And when the church begins to really model that and to love each other like Jesus loved us, and when we show that, and that means it's going to be hard, and it means we get in each other's business, even when, we, you know, even when there's a tendency to want to be isolated. When we do all of that, guess what? Those isolated, lonely people, they're going to want a piece of that. They're going to want that. Man, we have an opportunity right now before us, right now, 2019, that, God, that, that God's like, I want to use it. And so let's be the church like that first church that was Prescateo that was continually devoting themselves to one another, to connecting together and in that together. That's why we talk about circles are better than rows, and it's great that you're gathered, but we want you to go out. we want you to, we want you to go out of this room and we want you to get in circles and connect together and get in life groups and, and share life together, and then invite people you know, into those groups so they can see how we interact. and they go, "Man, I want that, I haven't had that." It's a great opportunity God's given us. You need to know that early believers did what we're talking about today. And look at this amazing verse. Here's the result of them Proscatoreo being continually devoted to these items. Acts 2:47. "The Lord added to their number. How often did it was it added to? the attitude that Lord added to their number? How often? How often? Daily, Daily. those who were being saved. They, man, were transforming their community. Can you imagine if God wanted to add daily? He's doing it to the church across the world. Imagine if we could be a part of that addition, that He adds daily to those being saved through the ministry of His church, His people called LifePoint, because they are proscatoria, continually devoted to the Word of God, the Apostles' teaching to communion and what that means and how that centers our life in Jesus and His sacrifice, to praying and to being connected, fellowshipping together with one another. That's what God calls us to. That kind of dedication. That kind of devotion. As I kind of had fun with last week, to be dedicated and devoted like, just, like, just like mothers. So that's how I always end my Mother's Day sermons for, you know, as a joke, but in all seriousness to be dedicated and devoted that way.